0: And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. A lot to get to on the Wisco Sports Show today. A lot of topics to cover as well. We do have to touch on Wisconsin Badger football at 5.30. We're going to be joined by Zach Heilprin, sports director at our sister station, The Zone, over in Madison, one of the most connected men when it comes to uh, uh, UW-Wisconsin Badger football. And then uh, we also have to talk to Drew Kelly coming up here in about 15 minutes. It's a huge night for local sports here on WKTY. Central and Logan, uh, the inner-city rivalry, both of these teams, really good. We know quite a bit about Central. We've talked about Central in the past, but Drew's going to bring us some knowledge uh, and some insight before tonight's game, which he will be calling right here on WKTY. That's coming up just shortly after seven. So we'll talk to Drew before he slides out the door and, uh, and goes to set up at Logan High School. But I want to start, and I think it's most appropriate with the Packer coaching search. It's the, it's the thing, even the, when the Bucks are playing this well, and, and like I said, the Badgers got their bowl win and, and Badgers basketball is, you know, playing a lot better this year than last year. I think we're still learning things about this Badgers basketball team. But but this is the main story right now, and it, it's kind of weird because it's happened in chunks. Right? When it started, Mike McCarthy's been fired. Oh, my God. And that was the story. And then the story became... Uh, can Philbin do it for the next four weeks? Could the Packers actually get into the playoffs? And then that was squashed. And then they, well, well who are the candidates going to be? And you kind of had that first batch of candidates because we didn't know who the hell it was going to be involved. Was it going to be Lincoln Riley? Uh, was it going to be a- anybody, right? And now we actually have concrete names and we've reached kind of, I don't know, the fourth or fifth leg of this journey that we followed along the Green Bay Packers in their search to find a replacement to Mike McCarthy, who was, of course, there for so long. And now we actually have some names. We actually have something to go on. We've had interviews that have been scheduled uh, and all these things that that are concrete and that we can actually talk about. And that's what I want to begin with today. I was doing a, I was doing some really heavy thinking early this morning. I think I had a slice, of, a slice of pizza for breakfast when I got up and and I hopped in the shower. And I think that's where I do some of my best thinking. And I was just running, uh, as I was shampooing my hair, I was running through the, the list of names that we've at least talked about so far. There could be surprises that pop up uh, there could be new names that haven't yet emerged, but for the most part, we have a, a core group of names that have been mostly talked about, whether it's Josh McDaniels, Matt LaFleur, uh, Pete Carmichael down in uh, in New Orleans. Pat Fitzgerald's been thrown around, so I'll keep him in that group in, until uh, we know for sure that he's not going to interview. And I was thinking about all these names, and I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're, we're a couple weeks removed now, more than a couple, uh, from the firing of Mike McCarthy. And at the time, the mindset was, it does not matter who you're hiring. Take care of one problem first. Move on from Mike McCarthy. And I don't care. Packers. I Look, I like Mike McCarthy. It was time. Needed to part ways. And I think it's going to be mutually beneficial for the Packers. And for Mike McCarthy. That was the first step. Sever. Right? Split. Done that. Now you look at some names. And now it's coming time to, to actually choose. And, and I've had a little bit of time to think about it. And I'm like, wait a minute. As I'm thinking about these candidates. And I'm thinking about the credentials of all these candidates. I I, I had a a kind of a freaky thought and I want to share that with you 608-796-2558 if you want to chime in you can do so on the five-star telecom talk and text line so what I decided to do this morning was take this list this core group of names that have been talked about so far and completely take the names off take the teams off take everything that they're affiliated with and around and throw it out we're going to do a blind comparison of all these coaches right so I have five or six candidates. I'm going to read you the credentials and some of the accomplishments uh, and uh, maybe the the goings-on. Or I don't want to say the accomplishments, but things that haven't been so good about these candidates, right? Something that might be considered baggage or considered a knock on some of these candidates, right? Take the names off, take the teams off, and we're, cr- we're going to try to do just resume by resume by resume. Five or six candidates here who are now looking for NFL coaching jobs coming from different situations, uh, different backgrounds, and we're just going to compare their resumes. And when we're done at least I think, you're going to hear one candidate and you're going to say, wow, if I had to pick one, that's the one I would take. And look, we're all smart sports fans here listening to WKTY. You're probably going to be able to pick and choose who's who. But that's not the point. When just looking at the resume and just looking at the accomplishments compared to the baggage and the knocks, if you take the names and the teams out of it and you just look at the resume, the one candidate's better than the rest. So so let's do this, okay? I, I took... Let's see, I took five candidates right now who are all looking for NFL coaching jobs and I have just boiled them down to their resumes and their accomplishments, right? Number one, candidate number one, bachelor number one, coordinator for a Hall of Fame quarterback now for a while, winner of multiple Super Bowls, some of those accomplishments, right? Some baggage left another team hanging, kind of in an unceremonious way, looking back at another hiring opportunity he had recently, and he has had one stint as a head coach, didn't go so well, but it was a while ago now. Candidate number one. Like I said, you're probably able to figure out some of these, right? We're smart, but that's not the point. Number two, bachelor number two. Position and a quarterback coach for seven seasons. He's been a, a quarterback coach, position coach, offensive line, whatever. He's done a lot of different things. And uh, for one season, he was an offensive coordinator under great offensive mind. Right? Jump ship for a little bit of a promotion. Was an offensive coordinator this year. Now, the offense wasn't as good. But I think that's more because of the roster and the situation that he's in. A younger coach who's kind of on the come up, a lot of people think. That's bachelor number two. No head coaching experience, no winning at the highest level, but a lot of years as a coordinator. Bachelor number three. Ten plus years as an offensive coordinator under one of the best offensive minds uh, that I think everybody considers in the NFL, right? Ten plus years. Been around a long time as a coordinator. Created success. He's even won a Super Bowl. But the one knock on candidate number three, he's never called the plays. So you're thinking, uh, how much is... It Him as the coordinator and how much is the actual offensive-minded head coach who's calling the plays, right? Won Super Bowls, had success in the postseason, all playing into it. That's candidate number three. Candidate number four, high-energy coach, really high-energy. Players love him. They love to play for him. He's created success in a difficult situation in college, okay? He's not at one of the biggest programs, but he's taken a mid-level program with a lot of constraints, geographical uh, tuition-wise, and academic, and he's made the most of it and really impressed a lot of people. Now, like I said, bachelor number four. You can probably tell who some of these players, uh, coaches, excuse me, are. Now, number five. This man was a head coach for nearly 15 years. 15 years. Stability. Comfort. Has a lot of control. You know what you're getting into. 15 years he was a head coach. Worked with a Hall of Fame quarterback. Two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, actually. He has won a Super Bowl and taken the team to three NFC championships outside of that Super Bowl year. That's candidate number five, right? So as we went through all these candidates, I don't know about you, but if we're just looking at the credentials and the resumes, I think I would take number five. Head coach for nearly 15 years, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, a Super Bowl win, three NFC championships, a college coach worries me, can he do it at the next level? 10 years as an offensive coordinator, yeah, you've won a Super Bowl, but you've never called plays. Anytime you're in that position for that long, nobody ever thought to promote you. I don't know. Uh Candidate number two was a position coach for seven years. He's been an offensive coordinator recently, worked with some good minds, but didn't really impress this year. He'd be a first-time head coach. And then candidate number one, yeah, he's had a lot of success, won Super Bowls, but he kind of left the Colts hanging last year, or a team hanging. Keeping an anonymity here. And when he was a head coach, it didn't go so well. All of these resumes compared to number five, who was a head coach for 15 years, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, won a Super Bowl, easily could have won more, made it to a lot of NFC Championship games. I'd take number five. Number five is Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy. And if Mike McCarthy wouldn't have been affiliated with the Packers, let's say Mike McCarthy spent his last 15 years in Indianapolis, and he won a Super Bowl, he groomed two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, or was there coaching alongside two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, had postseason success, and It was just time for a split. Oh my God, I'd be bringing him in in a heartbeat. But because Mike McCarthy was associated with the Packers, and the whole reason for that divorce, that breakup, is just they needed a break from each other. That's why. That's why Mike McCarthy's off the list. When you compare the resume and the accomplishments, and, and you know what have you with all the candidates, Mike McCarthy, I'd, I, I, I'd, I I'd take him, right? Wouldn't you? If they were all the same, unfortunately, that's not how things work. Sports doesn't happen in a vacuum. Certain coaches can succeed some places and not others. I'm just saying, some of these candidates, none of these jump off the page. I mean, we've found McDaniels. Uh McDaniels is the hot name right now. And I was talking yesterday. It's amazing because McDaniels has been a head coach before. It went horribly. He was gonna be a head coach last year and said jump ship at the last sec, let left the uh the Colts with their you know what left in their hand to scramble for a coach at the last second, and he's found himself the front runner outside of maybe Mike McCarthy. He's, it's not great. Matt LaFleur, yeah, he's been a coordinator for a while. He worked under Sean McVay last year, which you like, but he hasn't blown anyone away in Tennessee. Now, I think there are some different factors. Pete Carmichael has been an offensive coordinator for 10 years under Sean Payton. Not an offensive coordinator, but a position coach and an offensive coordinator for that entire stint, and it's like, no one ever thought to promote you? Well, why have you been there for 10 years? I don't know. You've never called plays. Pat Fitzgerald, like I said, he's a high-energy coach. People love him. Who knows if he even wants to make the jump to the NFL at any point in his career. Look at all the, all those resumes, and you're like, yeah, those are all interesting. But hey, Mike McCarthy, 15 years of experience. Stable. He knows how to create sustained success. Win divisions year in and year out. Make the playoffs year in and year out. Two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. He's worked with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Two guys, that, that their, their play styles couldn't be more different. Both great in their own right? Right. But McCarthy had to cater and create around both of those different quarterbacks, won a Super Bowl, and been around in NFC Championship games for most of his career. That looks a lot better than everyone else. Now, I'm not saying the Packers were wrong for not firing McCarthy, right? I'm not saying that McCarthy should still be the coach. That's that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if everything was the same, and we were just stripping it down to the blind resumes, McCarthy would be the perfect fit in Green Bay guy who's established would command respect of your quarterback because he's worked with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, won a Super Bowl. I mean, he would he would be perfect. That's why when we were talking earlier this week, I was hoping Mike Tomlin would let go be let go by the Steelers because I think that's a very similar situation. When you just compare the blind resumes, I think Mike McCarthy would actually be the best fit. Isn't that wild? 608-796-2558 Derek says 5 is McCarthy LOL. Yeah, Derek, see so you're catching on. Yes. That's what I was going for, man. Thanks for chiming in. When we come back, we're going to talk to Drew Kelly, the voice of local action here on WKTY. Central Logan tonight. It's a big deal. It's a big game. People are probably already parking at Logan High School and Drew's going to have the call tonight. So he'll tell us more about that upcoming game. Coming up here in just a minute or two. Quick break. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to WKTY. (laughs) Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bill. Say thanks for tuning in. I love talking local action here on the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY. We have another really good game tonight: Lacrosse Central and Lacrosse Logan. Uh, and Drew Kelly has been there for a lot of the action this year. We welcome him in, the voice of local sports here on WKTY. Drew, how are you doing today? Good. I do, man. You missed out on, uh, well, I a very
1: so. good performance, not a good game, but a good performance. Yeah,
0: it, it was it was a good performance by UWL last night. I uh, wish you could have been there with me. It was it was a fun game. Um, and, and you've been doing college, you've been doing high school, you've been doing a little bit of everything. You've had a chance to call a couple of Logan games. I've been there for Central games. I have a little yep. bit of background there. You called actually a buzzer beater with Logan last Pretty much, week. Yep. So what have you seen from uh from the Logan squad? I know Central gets all the press, but yeah, no, what have it, you seen?
1: They're they're a team that has a lot of pieces that. Just haven't gelled as much as I'm sure they'd like to at this sure. point in the season. That you know they're three and six. They play good defense. That's kind of their calling card at this point, and that's pretty much what you're going to have to do against Central. You're not going to be able to outscore them because they can just run anybody yeah. out of the gym if that's what your you know plan of attack is. Uh, Logan split uh, a weekend series last week I had six and one. Oakland North team come to town and. Had a game-winning buzzer beater with about four seconds left, and then uh, missing a buzzer beater, actual buzzer beater. Oakland uh, North down the other end of the stretch, uh, so they they won that one. That was a pretty good win, and then they lose the following day, seventy-two fifty-nine to Hortonville, who is a little bit of a middle of the pack team, kind of like yeah. Logan is right now. So you kind of it's hard to get a read on Tough what Logan is uh, overall. I think when you take a look at some of the pieces they have, Calvin Maven, we. have uh, yep. did a couple of his football games, obviously a fantastic athlete.
0: Name that I know, yeah. He's
1: pretty much the one guy that's going to be replacing uh, C.J. Siegel, who was obviously the main athlete from the last year's team uh, basketball-wise. But Jukai Funches has really uh, impressed me these last few games that I've called, just really consistent. A guy that's not very big overall, but uh, just knows where to be, is able to get position on offensive rebounds. He's able to get the putbacks and the and one opportunities. That's going to be an interesting matchup because – uh, Terrence Thompson hasn't had a whole lot of big offensive games. He's had a lot of rebounds. But he hasn't had a whole lot of point totals. Uh, obviously, you've got so many guards yeah, that you, you can throw it to. You don't need, need, it, need to, it to. Yeah. Um, but it might be interesting to see if they get it down into him. See if they can get Funches out of, into foul trouble and out of the game early. Because after Calvin Maven, you know, J.K. Funches is really their main weapon. McGuire-Warner might be back tonight. He's another piece that uh, at least height-wise could match up with uh, with Central. But it's going to be a tough game for Logan tonight but uh you know if if all goes well I mean you you saw it. that was the good thing about Logan's performance on Friday of last week. Yeah. They got down by 6 early in the second half after they were up by 4 at halftime. So they went on a 10 nothing run North did. They were able to come back, they were able to keep their composure against a guy that uh, is a division 1 recruit. You know, he's getting recruited by Milwaukee, Green Bay, kind of the same schools that uh, yeah. Johnny Davis is right now. So uh you know they know how to win and and play in those close situations
0: i don't ask this as a slight to logan but we see sometimes with lower level teams just less talented teams right you try to slow the game down make it ugly and and kind of force the the more superior talent wise team to play a different brand of basketball yep. do do you think that's something that logan is going to try to do tonight i mean they're not short on athletes i watch both no. of these teams and they're both long they're both athletic but yeah. central is just in a league of their own what what would the game plan be for you if you have to beat lacrosse central I mean, how do you even go about starting a game plan for that?
1: You know, it's hard to say in terms of talent level because Central just has too many weapons right now Uh, in in the area. I think you've got some really good teams that if they weren't playing in the Mississippi Valley Conference, their record would be a lot better. Uh, And you might have a better chance, uh, and we'll see coming in the postseason, kind of how some of these matchups play out and if they can make deep runs, and if they were just a product of Central just being that dominant. But, uh, you know, Logan has, as I stated, their calling card is their defense. Pretty much every game that they are in, their opponent is scoring about 60, 61 points a game, which is not very much in high no. school basketball anymore. I mean, you're, they're losing pretty much like 60 to 53, 60 to 52. And they're in these games, but they just can't get the point totals that they need in order to uh, get the job done down the stretch. Uh, and for Central, this is a team that obviously came off of the Florida trip. They haven't played since last Tuesday or last Saturday, I believe. it a while. About 10 days now. Uh, they won the City of Palms Classic down in uh, Fort Myers, Florida. Killed a team from Mississippi by like 34 points. Uh, so rust might be an interesting factor to see. Obviously, with two games played by Logan, no games played by Central in the last 10 days, plus that long flight, how did that affect things? That might be the one thing to look at, especially early, to see if Logan can might be, uh, you know get out of a early lead.
0: It, it would be all speculation, but I want to ask, do you think there's any spite from Logan's side towards Central? I mean, like I said, Logan's a good team. The MVC is a good conference. They have long athletic players, and then they play an interesting brand of basketball. But Central gets all the attention. Their fans are probably going to fill up Logan tonight, and it's going to be a loud, rowdy environment. Do you think there's any... There's a little bit of... There's a little bit of... No,
1: I mean, I think it's a natural cross-town rivalry. Sure. I think there's always kind of been that way. Uh, Logan was kind of the darling in football the last four or five years, and Central kind of had the same type of, you know, we've got all these athletes, we're playing basketball, you know... We we can still beat you guys in football, Um, so I think there's a natural, a little bit of intensity. I'm not going to say like anger or like jealousy because I don't think that that's the correct adjective. But I think there's a little bit of uh, intensity and emotion there between the two sides. And I mean, when you when you play these same players as much as you do, like that, you know everybody's game. Yeah. You play in AAU, you play in Summer League, you play football against each other. You know they're going to trash talk. You know what they're going to bring yeah. you know to attitude-wise. Uh, DeAndre Davis, we, you know, Logan knows what he's going to try to do. I love and him. Try to get him. into uh, Logan players' heads. So, you know, like, when we when we saw, and I can't planking on the team's name, the Central and uh, the team they just destroyed. Football? The f- no, in, in
0: basketball, the oh, first game um, that we called. Not um, Brookfield, but Stoughton. Yeah, Stoughton. Stoughton.
1: And they just, they didn't know the team. You know, you can prepare for him on tape or whatever, but by the time you get on the floor, it's like, man, these guys are fast, these guys are athletic. It's just not that type of atmosphere for a Logan Central game. I mean, these teams know each other too well. And regardless of scouting or whatever, you're always going to be in for a battle.
0: I I don't think that Stoughton did watch any film or prepare prepare ahead of time for Central. (laughs) Just
1: got on the The, bus and, "Ah, see
0: what happens. All right, guys. Let's go play basketball. Drew Kelly, the voice of local sports here on WKTY. Joining us for just a minute or two more, I hate to ask you this because I think it's a cop-out and I think it's lame, but I guess I'm going to ask you anyways. Tonight, going into this game, you've seen Logan, you've seen Central, and obviously you've kind of been uh, around the pulse and around the action for local sports here for a couple of years, calling all these games. What kind of game do you expect to see tonight? And if you were... had, to I'm not going to ask you for a final score, but a, a prediction on maybe this earlier season matchup between these two, how do you think it shakes out?
1: Really, I'll just give the keys to the game, honestly. like If Central can get off to a good start, I yeah. think they kind of start to roll away with things. I mean, we saw that against Holman also. Central played at Holman and they got up to like a, a twenty-two to nine run and then they went on like a thirteen nothing run to close the half and it was over. Yeah. Um but the way to beat Central has been these last few years, especially with Alaska, they've showed it the last couple of years they've beaten them, I think, twice now. Just keep the game close. Just hang around. Because obviously they're gonna make the run and you're not gonna be able to Stop them at some point. You know, they're going to go on their four-minute stretches where they just look unbeatable. Yeah. But if you can keep your head about you and you can uh, slow the game down and make it a one- or two-possession game in the last two minutes, I mean, that's when crazy things happen. I mean, these guys are good athletes. They're good competitors on Logan's side, too. So once the two-minute span comes where you're still in this game... I mean, it doesn't really matter about talent. It's more about want to and will and being able to get the job done.
0: Well, you keep yourself close, and this is why basketball is so fun, even compared to football. Free throws. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we talked
1: about that as well. Like, that was the one negative that Central had against that game against Stoughton. They were uh, shooting 60% from the line. Yeah. That's all well and good if you're winning by 35-40. By the time it's like a two-possession game with about two minutes left, all of a sudden the fans are on you. Uh, the atmosphere gets a little bit tight. That's when you got to start to worry about possibly some of those mistakes.
0: Well, and... Especially in basketball When possessions Swap so quickly And the ball's moving Back and forth I mean If, if Logan can hang close And like you said Maybe they're, they're blessed With some missed free throws And they can just get hot For the final three minutes Of the game Just shooting the ball I yep. mean, that's how you can steal And foul trouble Yeah it, it all fact. God, I'm excited for this game now. You, you've got me hyped. You did your job today coming out, Drew. Right. Thanks, and, and enjoy the game tonight. I'm excited to see what goes down at Logan High School. Tip off is seven fifteen. Seven fifteen. Seven fifteen. Man, okay. Thanks for joining us, and uh, and enjoy the. Try game. Trying to get today.
1: down there a little bit earlier just for parking. <laughs> yeah,
0: you got it. I'm I'm out of here now. So you, you're an expert. You're an expert. You know not just the game, but but everything that goes along with it. That's Drew Kelly, the voice of local sports here on WKTY Central Logan tonight, seven fifteen tip off, uh, and and I'm excited. You know. Central and Logan is is such an intriguing matchup, and, and Drew didn't speak to it a whole lot, and I think probably rightfully so, but you think there's got to be a little spite, there's got to be a little attitude between these two schools, especially from the Logan side, uh, just on pride, you know, Central gets all the press, Central gets all the attention, and they have ran the MVC uh, for the better part of the last couple of years now, don't get me wrong, but... I'm excited to see what goes down at Logan High School. That game's at 7.15. If you're not going down there, uh, be tuning in tonight. Either 5.80 a.m., 96.7 FM. Of course, you guys know that, where to find us. But you can also stream at wktysports.com and on our mobile app as well. A really great way to listen to us on the go. If you haven't downloaded it, get on it uh, so you can listen wherever, whenever you want. Tonight, 7.15 a tip. When we come back, uh, we're going to move from... High school basketball to college football. Finally, we have a chance to talk to Zach Heilprin. I wanted to ask him last week, and I'm like, man, it's New Year's, it's Christmas. And then I wanted to ask him on Tuesday. I was like, okay, this is New Year's Day, I don't ask. So today we finally get an opportunity to talk to Zach Heilprin, the sports director at The Zone over in Madison. One of the most connected dudes in the state when it comes to Badger athletics. I want to talk about the bowl game. I want to talk about the X's and O's of that game because it was an impressive performance. But also moving ahead because that's really the big picture question. The bowl game is an exhibition game against an, a kind of a wacky opponent in a wacky place. What does it mean going forward, and how can the Badgers use that win ultimately at the end of a, a pretty disappointing regular season uh, and championship season, I guess, seeing they didn't even make the Big Ten championship. So lack of a championship season. Zach Heilprin, up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Don't go anywhere. Right back on WKTY. <laughs> The Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. You can always be streaming at WKTYsports.com or on our mobile app. I am your host, Grant Bills. And just because of the way that the holidays have shaken out in the last two weeks, the schedule has shaken out, I've wanted to talk to Zach Heilperin, sports director at The Zone. I just, I didn't want to ask. It was Christmas vacation, it was New Year's, and I knew he was traveling as well, Zach, Joins us now on the Five Star Telecom Talking Text Line, and Zach, you were covering the Bucks on Christmas Day, the Packers the Sunday before, and and then of course the Badgers bowl game. What what was that week like? Was it a good time over uh, in New York?
2: Yeah, I mean it worked out perfectly. Obviously, no one wanted the Badgers to be in New York, uh, you know, (laughs) playing in that game. But it worked out perfectly with the Bucks playing on Christmas and Packers working uh, on Sunday there. So and they went three and zero. So I mean, uh, in the in the words of Alec Ingold, who didn't want to take. Total, uh, you know, credit for the stock market taking a shot up when uh, he was ringing the bell. But of course, I'm not gonna, I'm, you know, I'm not gonna take credit for. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm taking credit for it, but I'm not <laughs> not saying I'm, t- I'm taking credit. It, for
0: it's 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 something to consider. Sure. Did you have a, a favorite game of the three? Was it your first time at any of those venues? I can't imagine, but I mean, which one did you enjoy the most?
2: No, actually, it was. I had not been to the Meadowlands before, so All right. uh, that one. I mean, the the way that game played out. That was the best game because the way the Packers came back, and uh, that was probably the most exciting game. So that that probably um, was the best I had. I had been to Madison Square Garden last year when the Badgers played there in the Big Ten tournament. That's so I've right. been there before, um, and then Yankee Stadium. Those first time I've been to Yankee Stadium as well. I, you know, all these all these places are you know they're called Yankee Stadium or it's you know Madison Square Garden, but it's not really <laughs> those things. I mean, that's the new Yankee Stadium. That's you know a renovated Madison Square Garden, but. Yeah, um, you know it was a fun trip. It was a uh, you know five days uh, in New York. It, you know it could be worse.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd say so for sure. Um, let's let's get into the bowl game, the new era Pinstripe Bowl, and I hate the name. First of all, the long sponsorships drive me crazy. But just X's and O's. Look, I I thought the Badgers did some good things. I thought they were creative on offense, and maybe that was Jack Cohen just opening up the playbook a little bit it has got a little bit of running ability, it looks like. But for me, walking away from that game, the X's and O's, I just thought Miami was horrible. Like, how did Miami yeah, play were... that bad? Was that your takeaway as well? Yeah, they
2: were, they were horrendous. <laughs> I, I thought Wisconsin was a dumpster fighter this year offensively, and um, especially in the passing game. They don't have nothing on Miami. Miami was horrible. Their quarterbacks, just, both of them just turnover machines. I mean, Wisconsin had not forced very many turnovers. Their, their um, defense had not been you know, that good this year and they went out and forced five turnovers uh against Miami. So I I don't think Miami came to play and we kind of saw the fallout of uh what happened, you know, with Mark Rick retiring two days later. Um that team did not want to be there and, you know, Wisconsin had some motivation after the way they played against Minnesota and I saw I thought that was kind of the difference. But I mean it, it's it's very when you win a game thirty five to three and you pass for seventy three yards, or it was right around that. Um it probably it says a lot about what you did on the ground in Jonathan Taylor and the offensive line and Chris James and Taiwan Deal and even Jack Cohn getting in on it. I think that was probably the story of the game that they. They said, uh, you know, we don't really need to pass the ball. You're the number one pass defense in the country. It doesn't matter. We'll just run the ball, and you can't stop it. So, to me, that was the story, at least, uh, offensively in Wisconsin.
0: Yeah, Miami looked horrible. I mean, it, it, call it what it is, it's an exhibition game. It doesn't mean anything outside of the record. Um, it's not a playoff game. It's You get a trophy for a bowl win, but what's the value in a win like that for Wisconsin after a pretty poor regular season?
2: Well, I mean, for the guys going out, it's a much different taste in the mouth, for sure. I know... TJ Edwards talked about he was asked whether he had considered skipping the game and um uh, this is before obviously and he he said, you know, I the lineup I wasn't thinking about it, but the way the Minnesota game went, I just can't go out on that. And so I think there was that, that was the worthwhileness for the senior for the seniors that were going out and you know, a lot of them think it ended up not getting to play because of the injuries, whether it was Olivier Songapolo, or, you know, Ryan Connolly, but um that was that for them. For the young guys it was, you know, ending the season on a high note and be able to go into The off-season training, um, you know, feeling good about yourself as opposed to having to sit there and stew about another loss and stew about a a season that was a a major disappointment. I think that is – there's two different things there. Seniors feeling good about yourself, uh, or I should say going out on a high note. The younger guys feeling good about yourself heading into into winter.
0: Yeah, and, and I like that. I think we do have to take some solace in the fact that, you know, that's five straight bowl wins as well, which feels good. Um, this is my takeaway from the game. Zach Heilprin from The Zone in Madison joining us for a couple minutes here on the Wisco Sports Show. By the way, this is my takeaway on that defense. Tell me if I'm wrong. All season long, I watched TJ Edwards and Chris Orr, and Dakota Dixon is another example. He really didn't have uh, any huge plays in, in the game. Did did Dakota Dakota Dixon didn't didn't even play. play? He didn't play in the bowl game. That's right. TJ Edwards is a big yeah. example. In, in this game, he went from, he was racking up tackles all season long, and we know he's a good tackler, but... He actually he made interceptions. Like they made big plays, whether it would be strips or interceptions or sacks. Like they actually made next level plays. Some of those defensive players, like T.J. Edwards and uh, Van Ginkle and Chris Orr, you know, making his name heard. I thought all those guys really stepped up, and they had name recognition all year long. But I just don't know if their name, uh, their play, actually matched the hype this season.
2: Oh no, nowhere close. And I think they going into the bowl game. I think they're forty third in scoring defense. That was the first time since. I think it was two thousand ten that they finished outside of the top twenty. So no, they did not play as well as they had in the past and so a lot of it was name recognition because you know TJ Edwards has been around for so long and Ryan Connolly's been around for around for so long and Dakota Dixon's been around for so long. But you know, in reality that defense really did struggle and um they they took their lumps. But I also think um those lumps are gonna help them moving forward. The game itself I just don't know how much what you can put into it simply because of how bad Miami was. Yeah. Like I some of those passes, some of those decision makings, Wisconsin had to make plays, right? But they had opportunities to make plays because Miami was giving them an opportunity to make some plays, just throwing the ball in places that it shouldn't be. So throw that out though. Um what happened this year, the ability to have those issues pop up, learn from them, and you have almost everybody back in the secondary. You have to replace obviously some linebackers, but you have almost everybody back and your defensive line, these are all guys that um, uh, I think that game, like it is for all the young guys, is going to be showing them what they can be and and what they want to be. And I know Chris Orr talked about how they gained confidence out of that. They dominated. And that's exactly what they want to do all the time. It just had not happened very much for them this year.
0: Yeah, I thought some of those bigger plays. I've been hearing about Chris Orr for a couple of years now, and he made plays, but I think we saw some of that flash. We saw some of those game-changing type of plays, even as bad as Miami was. And I knew you were not going to be afraid to admit that. I was looking forward to that. Uh, a lot of players back on defense, on offense, especially on the offensive line. What have you heard about players? I, I, I've heard a little bit... Um, about Tyler Biotish, uh, I'm, friends, I'm from Menominee, as is Mason Platter and Mason Stocky, so I hear a couple of things What I'm told, I like Tyler Biotish and a couple other of those players uh, who, who could maybe go, maybe thinking about it, what do you know so far about some of the status of those players uh, who could maybe go to the draft or stay another year?
2: Yeah, well, yeah. well, um, I would say they have the two seniors in Bo Benchwall and Michael Dieter along the offensive line, your yep. left and right guard, and they're obviously gone. Uh, David Edwards on New Year's Day, he was a right tackle, missed a bunch of time, was injured much of the year. He declared, um, and then today Tyler Biotich, um announced that he is coming back for his junior year. So that's a a big big win for Wisconsin. In talking to him after the bowl game, I thought he was gone for sure. He had talked about how he was ready to leave. Uh, he thought he was ready to leave. He thought he was ready for the NFL. And I know there's the NFL people are really high on him. So him coming back is is significant because it allows you to plug him in at center and. You know, you can you can fit some other guys around him. Center is, uh, you know, for obvious reasons, very, very important. He's one of the best in the country. So you have him there, and then you have, you know, Ann Lannan in that left tackle who graded out as, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, is the best left left tackle in college football. I don't know if that uh, is actually the case or not, but that's what he graded <laughs> out as. And yeah. then you have uh, veterans in John Dietz and Jason Urban that can play guard. You have another guy in Caden Lyles who... He was on the defensive line this year out of necessity, moving back over there. They think he's going to be really, really good offensive lineman. He was just helping out on the defensive side, and then you know, right tackle you got Logan Bros who filled in for um, David Edwards in the bowl game and played pretty well. So, uh, despite the fact that losing three starters and guys that you know Bo Benchel was an All American and the other two were really, really good and get you know get drafted, um, I think they should be all right.
0: Yeah, I was shocked that Biotis was coming back. Everything that I had heard, and I'm not an insider by any stretch, I just have some friends, some high school friends, who are they're like, he's going to ask for his draft grades, and if he's even close, he's going. So I was shocked to hear uh, about Biotis coming back, but that is a I, huge piece, like you said.
2: Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I um, Again, talking to him and talking to Edwards, I would have said Edwards is coming back, and Biotis is leaving. Yeah. Um, and for him to to want to stick around is uh, is big, and maybe maybe he didn't get a good grade coming back. I I don't know. We won't know that, but um, you know they, you know how they do those draft advisory. And then the draft advisory committee gives you first round, second round, or go back to school. So yeah. um, I wonder if he got to go back to school grade. I know David Edwards last year got a second round grade and came back anyways. So maybe um, I, it just seems so much like he was ready to go. And um, uh, but again, great for Wisconsin.
0: It was odd, yeah. That's just what I hear. I play video games with Mason Stocky a lot, and that's <laughs> we always ask about his roommates. And, the,
2: you mean the guy who's blocking two got uh, credit for blocking two guys at once? Heck yeah, that's that was guy. awesome. on the see. same play that was that was a hell of a play.
0: That was awesome, and I'm excited to to see what he can't do next year a little bit as well. Uh, speaking of next year, and I and I won't keep you for much longer. I have one more question. There's been so much hype about this 2019 draft class, and and I think probably due to, in part, that the Badgers had a really poor season and it's something exciting to talk about. But some of these names and some of these recruits are really high. We we spent half a show talking about this a couple of weeks ago, and I want to get your take as well. They're just ratings, right? We They're four or five-star players, whatever they are. It's all preliminary. We don't know anything yet. What what can we know for sure about this class? What can we say with certainty right now, even before these players get onto campus? What can you tell us? It's the best class Wisconsin's ever signed. Woo. Um, yeah, so,
2: and, you know, and this only, the ratings only go back until, I want to say, 2002, I think, is when they first started uh, the, the sites, whether it was Rivals or 24-7 um, or Scout or ESPN, you know, when they started putting these things together um, online. It's the best class Wisconsin's ever signed, and we'll see where it finishes. I mean, because, obviously, they've signed most of their guys, so they signed them on the 19th, and um, signing, I guess, official signing day, national signing day, is not until next month um, in February, so... Yeah, no, it's we don't we have no idea. The stars won't mean anything once they get here, but yeah. they're starting from a good place, you would think. Um, but uh, you know, a couple of guys, and I'm sure you've talked about them. Is you know, Graham Mertz, the quarterback, uh, four-star quarterback out of Kansas, and then Logan Brown, the five-star left tackle out of um, out of Michigan. Those are the two headliners, and they're are what they are. What is you know, jacking this class up to being where it is. They have a lot of young. They have a lot of other guys that I think people are excited about, but those are the two headliners, and. You know, they are both down at the all, all, uh, Army All American game right now, and uh, Logan Brown has apparently really been impressive. And same thing with Graham Mertz. But again, you just have no idea. I, the grand, Graham Mertz is what everybody's going to be talking about come you know spring ball because he is enrolling. He'll be here next week. Uh, he's enrolling early, and we'll go through spring ball and everything like that. And you know, with the uncertainty around Alex Hornibrook and you know the way that Jack Comb played, you know, up and down, I think there's going to be a good shot that um, Graham's going to have a, a chance to compete for you know the starting job. Um, right away, so it 's going to be fun to watch uh I think they 've got a couple in, instant impact guys um and you know Logan Brown and Graham Mercer on top of that
0: yeah i 'm excited to to watch that as it as it unfolds in spring ball and Zach. I hope to talk to you uh before next season, obviously maybe we 'll talk around spring ball and, and we 'll have some new stuff to discuss, so thanks, man. I always look forward to talking to you and I hope you had a good Christmas out in New York and a good new year's and, and thanks again, I always look forward to it. Uh, I appreciate it, Grant. Thanks. Yeah, you. You have a good one, Zach. That's Zach Heilprin, the sports director at The Zone in Madison, one of our sister stations. And, and I don't know, I started saying this today, and I guess it's true. I don't know if I want it to be his label, but he is one of the most connected guys uh, when it comes to Wisconsin sports, whether it's basketball or football. A lot of moving pieces, weird optics this year for for Wisconsin football. It started as they're going to the playoff, or at least it looks like they could, to this is the worst year they've had in, in four or five years. And then they won a bowl game in dominant fashion, and, and that's the talk. And, and now we're talking about the 2019 draft class as well. There's just a lot of different narratives and a lot of different directions that this team has taken over the last four or five months. And it's good to have a voice like Zach Halpern. And I I don't mean to say that. I, I say that to almost all my guests because I enjoy all my guests. But Zach does a great job, and, and I love talking to him. He doesn't mince words either. I mean, when I asked him about Miami, I just couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to hear uh, the words of... uh the words of hate towards Miami. Not hate, but criticism. They they played horrendous, as Zach said, and I knew he was going to go down that road. So a lot of fun. Uh, when we come back, I want to get back to the Packers talk. We had to shift. To, we had to get Drew in here before he went off to Culver, uh, La Crosse Central, and Logan. So we'll get back uh, to the Packers talk, which we opened the show. I see some action on the five-star telecom talking text line. So for those of you who reached out about the Packers coaching thoughts, don't worry, I'll get to you. I see you. We'll get to you. Uh, and if you want to pile on, and, and I'll kind of recap what we talked about to start the show. 608 The five-star telecom talking text line coaching search talk to wrap up the Wisco sports show coming up next year on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for spending some time with me. Hope you're having a good evening. Thanks again to Drew Kelly and Zach Heilprin. We had a star-studded show today. A lot of firepower here during the Wisco Sports Show. Don't forget, Drew is going to be calling Central Logan. That underway at 7.15. However you're listening right now, you will be able to hear that game coming up in just over an hour. So you don't have to go anywhere. Stay tuned in, whether you're on the radio dial, AM or FM, or streaming on our mobile app or on our website. Keep it up. Keep doing what you're doing, and you can hear that game. Uh, a lot of things to touch on here. We started the show talking about the Packers coaching search, and I want to get back into that. We have some action on the five star telecom talking text on ICU. We're going to get to you in just a minute. What we did to open the show was a blind comparison. We just took the resumes, just the accomplishments of all. Uh, the top tier right now candidates in consideration for head coaching jobs around the NFL, whether it's Josh McDaniels, Matt LaFleur, Pete Carmichael, Pat Fitzgerald, and I threw Mike McCarthy in there as well. Why? Because I want to compare the resumes of all of these coaches. Now, when you take the teams away, take the names away, if you had to pick from the resume from the hardware, and from what we know about these coaches. Forget the teams, forget their names, just the years in the positions that they've served, who they have served with in terms of players, and championships and playoff games won. Mike McCarthy would, would be the runaway pick in my mind. Cavett's Gerald, he's successful at Northwestern. I don't know if that would translate. Pete Carmichael's been an offensive coordinator for 10 years, but he's been under Sean Payton, and he's never called plays, never really ascended uh, once he got to that offensive coordinator job. Matt LaFleur is great. He's been a position coach for a while, been an offensive coordinator for like two years. And I know with McVay, we all want to get the youngest coach possible, and that's understandable. I, I feel a little bit of that too. I'm not exempt, but I don't know. McDaniels, yeah, he's had a lot of success in New England with Tom Brady, and you like that dynamic if you're the Packers fans, right? He's won multiple Super Bowls, but he left the Colts in a weird position. He's been a head coach before, didn't go well. And then you look at McCarthy, head coach for almost 15 years with one team, preaches stability, right? That's something I can sign up for. Worked with a Hall of Fame quarterback, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, won a championship, and went to a bunch of NFC championship games. I mean, that's who I'd take. Problem is, one of the Hall of Fame quarterbacks he worked with was Aaron Rodgers, who is still the quarterback, and they really didn't see eye to eye near the end of his tenure. Mike McCarthy would be perfect. It's The problem is he was with the Packers. That's why uh, I was talking about this earlier this week. I would love Mike Tomlin. Oh, my gosh. If Mike Tomlin was fired by the Steelers, let's cross our fingers. I don't think it's going to happen, especially because it hasn't happened yet. But that would, oh, wouldn't that be perfect? It would be like taking Mike McCarthy, but the Mike McCarthy from from Pittsburgh, right? Wore out his welcome in Pittsburgh, just needed a change. Uh, Green Bay can be the change for Mike Tomlin. God, I'd love that. Some chiming in on the five star telecon, Pac and text line. John says a little late to the coach talk, and this may have been said before, but hear me out. All right, John, I'm listening. Everyone wants an offensive minded coach to create this high powered offense with Rodgers. Quote, as long as we have a mediocre defense, we can win with a great offense. Well, if you ask me, with Rodgers, it doesn't matter who else we have on offense. We'll be mediocre to slightly above average. Why not go for a defensive-minded coach like Fangio and create a top defense? Imagine a guy like Vic Fangio with a D coordinator like Pettin; That could be scary good. And then get a new coordinator, even some flashy college guys for offensive coordinator, and see what happens. John, I hear you. I love you. I would love Vic Fangio as a head coach. Um, and that's not a name that's been talked about. It's been mentioned, but we have nothing official, right? Because Fangio's playing this weekend. The Bears are playing this weekend. Now, I don't think Fangio would leave. I don't think he would jump from Chicago to Green Bay, but that's besides the point, John, because I love what you're saying. And here's why I I think Peyton Manning and the Broncos are a great example. When Peyton Manning went to the Broncos, it started off having a tremendous offense, one of the best offensive years in the history of the NFL, right? Then Peyton's body starts to break down a little bit. And over the course of those two years, the the dynamics of that Broncos team totally shifted. It went from offense-driven, and we'll see what the defense can do, right? We'll just see. If they can get us a couple stops, we can win games. And it shifted to, well, now Payton's on the end of his career. You still love where his mind is as a game manager and how he can control things on offense but he's going to be picked up by players around him, especially on the other side of the ball. And John, I'm not saying that I want to prioritize the defense more than the offense, but if the Packers could make this smooth, fluid transition in the next three or four years, now, this year, the offense, I think, as long as everyone remains healthy, is going to be superior to the defense. But if they can quietly and in some fluid manner kind of transition to maybe the defense being the priority, well, now you have Aaron Rodgers, who's great upstairs, You love the way he can organize and compose and scheme up an offense with the help of an offensive coordinator, no doubt, if you do go with a defensive-minded head coach. But his body's not there. He still can't make all the plays, but you love where he is upstairs. You still want him leading your team, but now the defense can be the number one way that your team has success. That defense can pick up the aging quarterback and now Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to be asked to do so much. Much like, I think this parallel's been talked about in the Lakers with LeBron. Right now, LeBron's the best player, but over the course of the next years, their goal is, assuming they don't make any trades, which I think will happen, you have Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, who will then become better players, and they can support LeBron at the end of his career. Kind of that dynamic. And I think, John, I don't know if that's what you're saying, but I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense when talked about in that light. I would love the idea of, maybe not this year, but transitioning to a defensive-minded staff really prioritizing that defense, winning games with defense, while still having an aged and less effective Aaron Rodgers. But hopefully, you like what he's got going on upstairs in terms of seeing the field, organizing his offense, and composing plays and drives. And then, maybe can't make all the run, the throws on the run, maybe doesn't have the arm strength, but he can still get it done enough to be picked up by a defense. I love that, John. I would love to keep talking about that more as this coaching search goes on, because the next couple of years, I think that makes a lot of sense. You're trying to figure out how to maximize your aging quarterback. Because when Aaron Rodgers can't make the throws anymore, you can't just say, well, screwed, I guess we'll be bad. <laughs> you can't say that, right? So look at the Broncos uh in Peyton Manning and in the twilight of his career. I think that's a really good parallel. I think that makes a lot of sense. So I don't know if that's where you're going, John, but I definitely agree with you, and I want to talk about this more as the week goes on. Tomorrow on the Wisco Sports Show, we'll talk uh well, we'll talk about a whole lot of things. We have a big slate of NFC uh playoff games on Saturday, all of which you can hear, by the way, right here on WKTY. Maybe we'll take a look at those. Talk about the matchups we like, what we don't, and maybe how this playoff picture, minus the Green Bay Packers, and minus the Minnesota Vikings as well, will shape up. Because if Chicago loses, well now it's going to be a little bit different dynamic, right? Because now that affects the division. Maybe that affects how Vic Fangio approaches possibly answering the phone. Because he's definitely going to be contacted about head coaching positions, even if it's not by the Packers. So, uh, some things riding Uh, And hanging in the balance this weekend as the Bears play and as the rest of the NFC plays as well. I'll be intrigued. And don't forget, I I know the Saints uh, uh, probably aren't the number one concern. But the Packers have a draft pick from the Saints. You obviously want them uh, to, to lose as early as possible. That would benefit the Packers. Uh, if if that's your only focus, is the draft now, seeing the Packers are out of it. But a lot to talk about, uh, and we'll continue that chatter, and maybe we'll hear things about the head coaching search. And John, I would appreciate, and I do appreciate you chiming in, and everyone else to talk about the coaching search. That's going to be an ongoing conversation. You know it. We're going to keep talking about it here on WKTY. Central, Logan, Seven fifteen tip tonight from Logan High School. Drew Kelly, the real professional at the station, will bring you the call, and it should be an awesome crosstown rivalry. Two pretty good games. We'll see if Logan can pull off the upset tonight. At home. So make sure you're tuning in to that same time, same place tomorrow for the Wisco Sports Show. I'm excited, a lot to talk about. I can't wait to talk to you tomorrow.